painting to photography, from beadwork to woodworking. KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University presents Artbeat. Artbeat highlights the work and accomplishments of local artists from in and around Winona. Support for Artbeat is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. To be or not to be, that is the question. Well, it's a question anyway. Actually, it's the only quote I know from Shakespeare. So really, I have many questions. And that's why I talked to Harry Horsley, costume designer for the African Company Presents Richard III, which was part of the Great River Shakespeare Festival 2022. Harry talks to us about what the job of costume designer entails, why accessories are key, and how they got into costume design in the first place. We even get into how the clothes that people wear signify different things about them. So, to be or not to be? Well, I say just come and be with us for the next 20 or so minutes and we can learn about costume design together. I'm Bill Stoneberg with Harry Horsley, costume designer with the Great River Shakespeare Festival, today on Artbeat. Hi, how you doing? Good about you. I'm here with Harry Horsley. They are the costume designer for African Company Presents Richard III. Richard III, yes. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, for sure. Like I said before I turned the mic on, I've been looking forward to doing something on costuming for a while now. Um, I think it's really interesting how all this stuff comes together with the different departments. Like, it really is an amazing thing you guys do. It's quite amazing, um, especially what our crafts artisan does every single day. Well, it's all the fun stuff, right? Yes, I it mean, is. You know. it is. It is. It's a bunch of fun stuff. Like, we have sewing machines and random, and they move all this in. It took Rain two days to set up this room, I believe, and she uh-huh. built these tables, too. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. I love the smells. It smells like fun work in here, like paints <laughs> and things like that, you know? No, sometimes, like, you, you, pick a, you don't pick up smells because you're used to them. Uh-huh. So it's very interesting when... Other people pick up on the smells. They're like, okay, so what the hell goes on in here? Well, I have a love of photography. I'm a little, I'm a little older, so I remember the dark room and those, yeah. you know, the the yeah. smells of good work. Yeah, you, know? you get used to it. It yeah. is. And I like that saying, the smells of good work, because right. there's a lot of good work to stay right. in here. Well, what got you into like uh, costume design for theater and stuff like that to begin with? Originally, I went to school for. Um, fashion design and then I was trying to figure out if I was going to go to school for journalism but costume design basically merges the two because you're reading a script and you're really diving into the character so you're like an applied historian an applied anthropologist applied sociologist when you're trying to figure out uh, character analysis was also like uh, uh, the basis and the foundation of the story and the character so you're building like you you work a lot with the performer the actor whichever title you want and you really dive into their characters why they wear specific things why they interact with different characters a lot of things as human beings we don't pick up on but that's one of the biggest things that i like about my job um which is why i kind of fell in love with it at first i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do and then i was like oh this is kind of (laughs) you kind it's something that you kind of fall into it's like few people know, but like nowadays, it's just kind of something that you fall into, right, I feel like. Right. Yeah. Once you do it, then you realize, right? Once you do it, it's kind of you realize it because nothing is ever the same. Usually, it's always a different job, a different place. Mm-hmm. So, like, I was, I was randomly around... Um, I was doing a movie. I was working on a movie last, last uh, year, which is actually... It was with Netflix. It's called, I think... Um, Look Both Ways or Look Two Ways. I forgot what it's called, but it was okay. called something else originally. And it's with Lily Reinhardt. It comes out in August. Not a random dog running around, 
you know, peeing and pooping everywhere while trying to get costumes and shopping for costumes for this Netflix film. But it was my dog. I had her when she was a puppy, oh, so she okay. came on set. And it was filmed at the same place where they're doing Spy Kids now. So, oh, cool. yeah. Fine, yeah. Fine. You know, I heard you mention, like, about the, uh, the script and the characters, things like that. Um, what is the first thing? Like, how do you start when you're designing for a production? Um, what's your first step? What's the first things you do? My first step is usually a conversation with the director on exactly what they're thinking about a piece. And sometimes directors come up there like, do you want to do this? I'm like, give me the script. Typically, it it's a yes for us, typically. But we read the script and we really dive into the story at first. And then we read it like three or four times in order for us to understand how the breakdown of each scene happens, why people are wearing specific things. There's like different levels to it, you know, when you're trying to understand or enjoy it at first and then you're trying to understand the characters and then you're diving into each specific character and then you're diving into what specific pieces that that, that they wear and you're doing research all of that at the same time because this show is in 1821 so around that time we're thinking about our country and it being young and i was talking to the director and i was like well the war of 1812 was about you know a good nine years before this so we're, fair, we're, we're still at war with Britain. Well, at least they feel the cousins that feel animosity towards us. But this is like, you know, a good 50, not 50, but a good 40 years before the Civil War. And a lot of times we forget that we were still a fairly young country at that time. So there's different there's different parts of um, this script in particular that hints at that. And when you'll see it in the backdrop when uh, you kind of look at the burlap and it resembles an American flag in some cases. Yeah. Yeah, the way it's pieced together. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Do, like, you know, how, how, what would you say, like, a specific character, like, what's the kind of how you see the most important part of it? Like, what affects the costume of a specific character the most? Is it, like, the character or the scene or? A lot of the things that I've realized, especially later on, was, their accessories, okay. you know, Doug, artistic yeah. director, uses pocket watches and some of it's gold. He uses the cane, um, the neckties, depending on the fabric of the neckties. When you look at um, exactly how pocket watches work, the gold compared to silver and Billy and him have similar, they have similar ways of interacting um, in class. But there's also a difference when it comes to etiquette and in, in um, not wealth, but also class, because wealth and class are two okay, different right, things, right, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, if you see the Gilded Age, it's a prime example of that. You have old money, you have new money, which Billy is new money and Doug is old money. So a lot of the cases, you look at their accessories right. rather than the whole pieces, because that is what builds everything up, yeah. you know. And a lot of people, like, if the accessories don't work, if something is not working, it kind of gives away the whole character rather than... Uh, just putting a piece together because you have to focus on the whole picture and not a specific part of the picture. Right. So right. I think that's one of the most biggest things is right. accessories. The haberdashery, which is hats, you know, millineries uh-huh. for women, haberdasheries for men, right. um, and accessory pieces. Millinery actually isn't just millinery, it's the accessories okay. of millinery. So like you're looking at that with bonnets with Anne or, or specific things, but a lot of it is a lot of studying time. Right. <laughs> yeah, or especially that. during this period. Well, and, you know, that's interesting that you mentioned the accessories because it, yeah. it makes sense now that you say that, like, it might not be something, like, I would notice specifically, yeah. but I would feel that something's off, I yeah. think, right? That's that's the specific part. I think one of my mentors told me this earlier. Um, if you feel that nothing is wrong and you're kind of immersed in the world, you have done your job. Ah. 
You know, nice. if you feel like something's off and all the audience members feel like something's off, that's when it's not cohesive, right? right. My job is to fade into the background. Right. Essentially, I know, yeah. <laughs> which well, is which is typically I know it's like, uh, but that is my my job is fading into the background, make sure it all looks okay, and that's what we work with. You know, a, a good designer works with a team of other designers who work together, and then they make the piece look cohesive. You can't right. just be like, "This is my costumes and this and this and this." Mm-hmm. If you're not working well with the lighting designer, if you're not working well with the scenic right. designer, which okay. some people, I'm gonna be honest, some people are like that. Um, and it's just you're not a people's person if you don't do that, right? And mm-hmm. it's not about you. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. I spent a lot of time um, in my younger days playing bass guitar in bands, yeah. and I think that was that got into my head like, oh, that's the point is if no one notices me at all, I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Well, that's something that was way different when I started from fashion design because you're usually working in a room by yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So. If you're looking at opinions, if you're looking at pieces, and, and specifically we talk with um, our costume shop designer, not designer, but our supervisor or our costume shop director, Stephanie, or our draper, Heather, uh, particularly we have meetings on exactly how would this, you know, how would this performer or how would this character button their buttons or how would they finish this hem? Because back then they're, they're, it's a different class, right? So you're trying to figure out exactly how things go together. For example, you see the cape at the end, um, and we were having conversations about, because it's like this linen cape, mm-hmm. but we were thinking that the characters would make it out of burlap, since the back is in burlap. So, like, they would dye it and they would make the, the characters. And you, we actually had a burlap cape, and we ended up changing it for this linen one because it was a lot more sturdier. So, like, that's kind of the parts of the storytelling that come in, and you right. have these conversations with your team right. to see which is the best course of action. If you don't, that's where problems arise, right? So... Right. Um, it's it's a process. It's yeah. different layers to it. Yeah. Well, so speaking of that, like process, like does it like when you guys do the um, the preview shows and stuff? Yes. Does the costuming? Do you ever change things then during yes, that? Yes, yes, because it's, it's it's essentially like it's a preview, but it's somewhat of a tech because you're trying to figure out exactly how it looks like on stage. Most likely, when it's a preview. Some things may it all may be finished and it's fine, but some things may not. So this preview happens before you have a couple of days off, and then you have opening night. Typically, when opening night happens, that's when the show freezes, so okay. nothing can be changed. Right. But previews, things can still be changed, right. which is like we we right after this preview, we will have like a whole tech meeting right after that preview, because mm-hmm. it's just another tech night. It's just a tech night with the audience for the first time. Right. right. So you're seeing exactly how things are working or things are happening, and then you're like changing it if something's happening at the last minute. So, yeah. Does, uh, you know, thinking along those lines, does, like, uh, how much does costuming affect, like, an actor's performance? You know, do they alter their performance once they start wearing? If you're, like, a costume actor, a lot of people do. I know, in particular, actresses or actors like Glenn Close are, or um, Johnny Depp are, how they interact with their character depends on the costumes. They can't really, some people can't really get into their character until they have the costume piece, oh. which in particular, a lot of, a lot of actors or uh, actresses typically write in their contracts, I want the costumes for this and this and this, which is what Reese Witherspoon did on Legally Blonde. Like, she has 77 pairs of Jimmy Choo's from that movie that she kept on the second, because she learned from the first movie, she kept it on the second. And now a lot of people put those into uh, museums or they put them into their own personal stock. 
which is what Debbie Reynolds did with her costume collection. Okay. So costumes are a big thing because they're a part of the movie history mm-hmm. or the or the theater history. Okay. So in a lot of cases, like places like Indiana University, I went to UT, okay. um, the University of Texas, and Robert De Niro donates all his costumes to the Harry Ransom Center there. So oh, they have cool. all his costumes there. Some of them are destroyed, depending on it. So. Mm-hmm. When he got that blown up casino scene where he gets blown up in the car, there's different levels of the costume that are there. And usually some some studios or some schools are like, who wants all this? And then he has an agreement with Texas to take all his things. So, like, costumes are very important to performers because he was trying to shop around for a different place. And the Harry Ransom Center ended up taking that. Glenn Close has this agreement with Indiana University where she donates all of her costumes to them. So you see... You know, one one hundred and one dimensions, and like there's a difference between the first movie and the second movie. Same with Robert De Niro. Uh-huh. As soon as the Irishman was over, he sent all his stuff over there. Cool. So like it's very important for some performers. They can't get into their characters to the, the costumes because it's different. You know, which is why they also have rehearsal wear, right. where they can practice wearing a pigeon tail coat because we don't run around wearing pigeon tail coats like right. it's just not a thing sometimes it, i think it'd be kind of cool if we did though it would it would i mean some things are coming back if you see like a double breasted peacock i remember when everyone was wearing them like when i was in high school which was like seven years ago but like people wear things that have been worn before in this decade even if you see this um Anne's dress you can wear the same dress in the 1960s in some in some mm-hmm. cases where you have the high-waisted right. umpire waist dress like Things are recycled. Yeah, People just yeah. don't notice that. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, speaking of like recycling, do you like make the costumes all from scratch for each production, or do yeah. you build upon things and augment things? How does that go? It's all of it. You know, okay. typically sometimes we make things from because like that cape came in. That cape came in from what we were doing with the curtain, right? Okay. And it's different when you are like performing with something because there's a whole fight scene into. Um, this performance so it can deteriorate so sometimes we take from specific things like I know for example we have the curtains that are um, in the back of well we have these curtains these merino wool curtains that are in the script they're used but we also make these curtains out of um, the rope that's at the end so like specific things and I work a lot with scene designers sometimes because sometimes we want the costumes to match the set or to look the same, or to look in the same color palette. Some things are recycled from stock, uh, if we do have it. This show in particular was in the eighteen, like the early 19th century, so it was a little bit like, okay, we have to build a lot of things, and then plus everything was rented for Bridgerton parties for some reason. <laughs> that, other, otherwise, no one's like sitting around doing Jane Austen all the right, time. Yeah. Um, so like that's why it was like a friend we had to build a lot of things you know because it's a very specific play Um, but yeah some things are taken from stock you know in particular for Papa's character some things are remnants off of fabrics that we have used and some things are taken from stock it just depends on what it is so it all depends it it definitely depends firstly we would like to look through stock to see exactly what's there you know Mm -hmm. but I'm not doing Hello, Dolly, you know, so I don't have to, like, in particular, build everything. But in this show in particular, a lot of things were built for this. Cool. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Um, one thing I was also curious about, like, um, uh, like the things, like the things, um, uh, like, a, like when a photographer walks in a room, they'll notice where the light's coming from, stuff like that. Does that happen to you in everyday life where you're walking and you notice, like, different people wearing different things? 
Of course, I have slight photographic memory. It's a little bit creepy. Um, so, like, I can notice in particular, like, when someone was wearing something on a particular day. My parents thought it was weird as a child. So, a lot of things with clothing, exactly why people wear certain things, I do pick up on certain things, exactly. Like, if, you know, a guy always wears a hat, he probably feel, figures he probably is in the building. Like, because certain things at certain times weren't, like, a thing. Like, yeah. men wearing hats in buildings, but now it is. Um, but also, like, you figured if someone is wearing, like, sweatpants, they're probably not going to go to the gym. They just feel like they're comfy. Right. So, like, a lot of things we don't talk about in public, but a lot of things you kind of pick up on depending on how a character right. or how a person moves through the world. So you have to be a people's person, I feel like, to be a costume designer because you're always observing people. Right. It's not just people in the theater. You're observing nurses. You're observing, you know, people who work at... Um, a random McDonald's or someone who works at a hardware store. What exactly would they wear? Would they wear it for functionality? Would they wear it for um, fashion purposes or aesthetic purposes? You know, what would a professor wear? There's different types of professors. There are professors that still wear bow ties to class and right. full three-piece suits. And there's professors that will wear, like, slack and tunics. Like, you're trying to figure that out. But a lot of the cases, like, when you are a costume designer or when you work a lot with people, you pick up on certain things depending on how they move and how they walk. It's a little creepy. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you can tell a lot about people yes. by what they're presenting outside. Right? What they're presenting and exactly how are they carrying themselves, the diction of them, um, how they it's not just like their clothes, it's their mannerisms because a lot of that is depending off of how they move through the world. You know, when you wear a certain garment or if you wear certain things that you like, if you wear patches, you know, or on your jacket or whatever, this is how you're presenting to the world. You think it, it's cool, no one would notice it, and you're not having a thought about it, but everything has intention. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think that stuff's yeah. fascinating. That is really cool. Um, yeah. Well, you know, that's one way to look at it. I just think it's neat. Um, as far as like just costume designing in general and uh, uh, Great River Shakespeare Festival, like what's the most rewarding part of your job as a costume designer? I think it's seeing the, it's the it's not seeing the ending product, it's seeing the process of getting to the ending product. Okay. You know if that makes right, sense. Yeah, yeah. You're seeing how they all because this was like what we had multiple meetings and I was like. I was having meetings the day of my graduation, you know, on a Zoom call, getting ready to go to, like, this big tech stadium, like, on my phone. And you're constantly, and then I have to fly back here, you know, to continue. A lot of it is seeing the final towards the ending product because, you know, I was here when there was snow and people were ice fishing, you know, on the lake, which is the first time I've seen people ice fishing. Uh Um, But a lot of that, you know, is, is... seven months in the making so you're seeing this come from a rendering and then you're actually seeing being built and you know people going into their characters and a lot of the times people can like I said people can't operate without their costumes because this is they're becoming this person they're embodying this person so I think that's the most rewarding part of you know this especially at the festival but it's the most rewarding part of my career is seeing that yeah, and you're thinking, okay, this is what the late nights were for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is what it is. The big payoff, right? Yeah, so the audience can enjoy it, you know, or they can mm-hmm. take from it, or they can learn something, they can feel something. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that I like about my career. I'm like, I, I know some people think that I work at Party City, but, like, I... <laughs> 
it's it's a little different. It's a little different, but a lot of it is like it's a lot of paperwork and a lot of ordering and a lot of shopping, right? Um, right. And building and sewing and like you know, as we have caught me painting and and just adding in random like rips everywhere, right? Um, which is my mom probably doesn't get what I do, but I think she's understanding it, you know. But like yeah. it's to a certain degree, you know. I feel like. Cool. Um, and before we go, how about uh, what's the most challenging part of this kind of work? I think the most challenging part. Oh, that's a tricky one. I think the most challenging part is trying to figure out what we can and what we cannot do, nice. right? And I think a lot of the times um, we're trying to figure out exactly what we can do, but a lot of times it's what we cannot do. And a lot of the times you get to like a certain schedule period where you're like, okay, we can't do this, and that's okay. That's something that I'm I'm glad that a lot of like my field is going into and they're they're visualizing and they're actually implementing that instead of working their shops to death when it comes to oh we can do this and and instead of following file uh, not following but uh, finding alternatives right where everyone is taking a break and everyone's being safe on specific things and having mental health breaks is also important yes. for me it's hugely important for me. Um, but I feel like that's one of the most challenging parts in so often, especially in American society, because in other countries in particular, especially in my, my grandfather's home country, people, a little, they take a little break. Uh, but in America, we typically go and we go, 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 go. So I think that's one of the things, if anything, the past two or three years has taught us is it's OK to take a break. Yeah. Yeah. Breathe. Breathe is the most important part. I know it's such a simple word, but breathing, you know, pause and breathing. Yeah. Um, before I go, I don't, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but uh, before I go, what would you tell someone who thinks, well, maybe costume designing is for me? I would like to get into that. What, what would you guide them towards, like as far as resources or for them to learn what it what it entails? Your local library, like a lot of the things. I think so many people think, you know, going to costume, you have to go to college, you have to do this particular thing, which is also important. But a lot of it is using your public resources, mm -hmm. going to museums, going to libraries, like a lot of that. I'm doing a, a show Sunday at the Park right now with George, um, or I'm going into doing that show, and they have like this huge Surratt painting and like, you know, the Art Institute of Chicago. Like I'm gonna be visualizing my painting trying to figure out exactly what characters are. But even from this show, I'm looking at old photos from the 18, you know, 20s and, particularly like the 1810s because some characters are wearing older things. I know we're wearing things from 10 years ago and we're looking like that was 10 years ago, but it's, right. yes, it was 10 years yeah. ago, um, which was 2012. So <laughs> what were you wearing in 2012? What was on the radio charts? What were you like trying to idolize and wear? Right. Um, but like in particular, like that's kind of what I would do. And that's one of my biggest lessons is, you know, looking at public resources, looking at YouTube, which is another thing, like, a lot of the time, like you don't have to pay thousands of dollars to figure this out. Like a lot of it is just going to your library and looking at books and and really studying and examining not just characters, examining figures in history, which are important. Like uh, going into that, I'm looking at 1820s. I'm also, like I said before, looking at 1812. And exactly what is our nation at that time? What does New York look like? New York does not look like, we're right before the, the Gilded Age, not right before it, but we're like a couple of decades. So New York is probably like a couple of shacks. <laughs> like it's not, you know, it's not what it, it's not what we think now. And now we have t skyscrapers, you know, towering, you know, New York. So it's an island, you know, with a couple of houses on it, but it's not what it looks like now. And none of that stuff really exists anymore. Mm -hmm. So what what we're trying to build a world um, 
that we're like, what does it exist like? That's how you have your resources. That's why you got Google, you know, for the most part. But I do, I do like a good old book because um, sometimes Google gets the the years wrong, but at least in a novel or a book, you can like visualize and see exactly what's going on. Yeah, especially in the United States. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Um, I think that's pretty much all I have for you. Um, I really appreciate you talking to us, and thank you so much. No problem. Thank you, guys. I hope you liked the interview, hopefully. I didn't talk too much. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Thanks again to Harry Horsley, costume designer with the Great River Shakespeare Festival 2022, for joining us today on Artbeat. For more information on the festival, go to grsf.org. For more conversations on art, tune into Artbeat Tuesdays at 1230 right here on 89.5 KQAL. You can also listen to Artbeat on your favorite streaming services. Find links at kqal.org. I'm Bill Stoneberg, and we've been talking about costume design at the Great River Shakespeare Festival with costume designer Harry Horsley on Artbeat. Artbeat is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. Visit us on the web at kqal.org.